Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode two, season two of Bald to Bald. We have a very, very special guest on on tap today. We have the two-time graduate of St. Joseph's. He's got an BA in marketing back in 2017. He's got his master's in organizational development and leadership. Whatever that means. He's a high school lacrosse junkie from the Philadelphia area. He went to the William Penn Charter. He was a four-year starter for the Hawks back in the day. Scooped up 41 ground balls and 25 calls turnovers. Terrible stat line. (laughs) Now the assistant coach at Fairfield University. And we proudly present to you, one and only, Charles Genta. Charles, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, gentlemen. I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to uh, hop in with the bald guys. It's great to have you as someone that has a phenomenal head of hair. Um, definitely better than both what me and T used to be rocking back in the day. Um, you know, before we kind of deep dive into Charles here, uh, TJ, have a good weekend. How are we feeling, Jones? It was a good weekend. It's nothing too special. Pretty relaxing. Um, you saw some saw some good football this weekend. I know we're a lacrosse podcast, but it was a good football weekend. I'm excited to have Chuck on. Chuck and I go way, way back. I used to refer to Charles as my right-hand man. Um, down on the St. Joe's defense. I'm excited to have him on. Excited to give some insights from past, present, and maybe some in the future. So, oh yeah, forward to this. Yeah, I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great here. Now, obviously, the three of us have known each other for a while here, being classmates. Uh, coming up on almost ten years. Wow, that's yeah. wild to think about. Ten Fall years since I met goons. Oh my god. Um, I, I think it's, you know, it says nothing but, uh, you know, this, the friendship that we had and, you know, the memories made at St. Joe's, but, um, you know, the 2023 season is here. Uh, I know Charles had a, a good fall with the team. They're geared up for another wonderful year in the CAA and sure. Charles, how, uh, how are we feeling about the stags this year? You know, are you guys coming off some momentum from last year? Yeah. You know what? I, uh, it, it, I'm excited. We're, I think everybody here in stag country is pumped up. Um, last year kind of felt like gravy to us a little bit. Um, you know, last year was year three as a staff, um, didn't have a a full kind of team of recruits and guys that just played for us, you know? So, um, the success we had last year, to be honest with you, was not expected. Uh, the year prior, we definitely had some graduation. We lost, uh, Dylan Beckwith was a huge loss on the offensive end. Uh, we lost a lot of dudes on defense and last year we were pretty much all freshmen and sophomores on the back end. So. Um, with that being said, I think, you know, we finished at seven and seven, two and three in the league and wound up losing a tiebreaker to Drexel um, to get into the postseason. You know, and with that being said, you know, two wins in the league, seven and seven, 500 record was the best record that Fairfield U has had since the 2016 year where they went to the conference championship, wound up losing to Towson. So um, we're really excited. Uh, I think. This year for us, you know, the the one thing that I'll say and kind of uh, sneak peek at the Stags, if you will, uh, we've always kind of been known for our pace of play and wanting to get up and down, but we're taking that to a whole new level this year. Um, and I'm really excited for what that looks like. I think it's an exciting brand of lacrosse to play and to watch on top of it. And, you know, our league is a super half-field team league, like six-on-six six offense, defense, um, so we got to carve out our own niche, right? Like you got to be a little bit different to compete with the best of the best and kind of give some guys a, a curveball. So we're really excited for the year. And um, I love our team. 
the the dudes the boys have been working their bags off and they bring a ton of energy and they're a ton of fun to be around on a daily basis so we're excited uh, for the 23 and, and i was gonna say charles looking at uh you know i was looking at your schedule earlier this year um you know you guys have a pretty tough slate you know yep. first half seems um you know a little bit lighter than the back half which yep. you know you want to be playing your best ball down the stretch into you know april into may yep. Um, is there a game I would guess I'll ask outside of Drexel that you've been licking your chops for? Would it be, you know, the rivalry that you personally have with the Brian Bulldogs? Yeah, maybe be Richmond, or I even think to start the year off um, at Lehigh might be a pretty big game too. Yeah, um, great question. I think from from our standpoint, from a, from a coach's standpoint, they all count the same, and for us, it's about getting a little bit better each day. Uh, with that being said, I, I'm not going to, you know, bullshit. Like, there are some rivalries in our non-conference schedule. Like, it is uh, it is a thing around here in stag country that you compete against Providence. You know, we compete against the Friars on a recruiting basis. We'll go head-to-head on almost every dude. Um, they were a former Mac school. We're a former Mac school. There's a sense that, like, ident- identity-wise, we're very similar. And, you know, they play in the Big East. We play in the CAA. So, um, that has been a, a really good out-of-conference rivalry for us the last couple of years. I have a lot of respect for Bobby Benson, Chris, uh, Casey Broderson, and, and the Friar staff. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to uh, absolutely dropkick those dudes um, and kind of scrape them around the town, the Friar town, and, and paint that red a little bit. Um, what is the recent um... – Connecticut rivalry record look like is is Bryant the dominating team? Is it Providence the well, dominating team? So Bryant's in Rhode Island. Uh, so I was about to say right. Bryant and Providence are both in Rhode Island. Um, the easy rivalry in terms of Connecticut, specifically Fairfield County, is with Sacred Heart. Where they're they're literally like a mile and a half up the road. Um, we might have to yeah, make power. You're going to beat them up and down the field. I, I want. I want. Hey, I feel listen, a real here's what I'll say. Like the you're just talking about. Coach Basti. Coach Basti does a great job with the Pios. They put the fear in God in us last year on a Tuesday night. Wound up pulling that one out like 19 to 17 in a rain-filled game. I, I thought I was going to have to hand my resignation in after that one. I, I was just say, don't, don't don't you coach the defense? That's, I do. Uh, <laughs> I do. I'm telling you. Hey, field. listen. I open this up by saying we play really, really fast. So that means we give up a lot of goals. You know what I'm saying but that sounds like how Charles wanted to play in college being correct. a police defenseman just it was dying to get over the midfield line so yeah. he's now deciding you know what I didn't get to get this opportunity but these young defensemen we're gonna score goals oh yeah. don't worry we we uh we work on it every single day we we have a play and we have uh what we call stag plays here which are plays that like we reward right we talk about reward what you want repeated as a coaching staff right and the one play that we talk about is bolts and busteds defensively right a busted is when you get up the field and start transition a bolt is when you win it to the end line we stat those at every single practice we stat them through every game and we actually i know the viewers might not be able to see but we anoint our bolt and busted king of the week with a little flash gordon uh a little ring here for those that there uh, we go he's got the bolt yep we get that guy on a on a on the big screen with his highlight reel playing and the boys get juiced up for uh for either stealing possessions or getting some easy transition opportunities I, can we can we I have an up a laugh at the fact that charles is rewarding bolt plays yeah <laughs> I mean, hey it's what i did as a player <laughs> and listen coach ray will attest to it i was not very useful other than running out end lines and sliding the dudes I uh, suck otherwise that line 41 ground good. balls in four years is putrid 
<laughs> I'm going to need an updated bolt stats throughout the year. So like a random Wednesday, I'll just tweak that out and be like, all right, I got hey, you. update, update on the bolt stats this year. Uh, this guy's <laughs> killing it. Um, Chuck, I, I guess I'd like to follow this up, um, you know, with another question here. Sure. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we were talking and stuff about, you know, there's wins and losses and, I know when you first got into college coaching, I was at your house a couple of times, you know, started off rough in St. Joe's, you know, a couple yeah. of meltdowns here and there. Yeah. Um, what, what's the worst loss you think you've had? Is it worse? Now, you know, I was doing some research here. Which one sucks more? Losing to Haverford 19 to three oh, on a that's Tuesday, a... or losing to Malvern 18 to five, two days later. Now I'm just curious, which one of those sucks more in high school? It was definitely the Haverford school. Why I say that, I was always partial. Malvern dudes were some of my best friends. So, like, those games, they they respected us for being a little bit tough like like them. You know, we just didn't necessarily have the skill to kind of in the bodies to keep up with Malvern prep. Um, But quite frankly, Haverford was just uh, obnoxious and snide. And, um, you know, we felt like that was games that, like, you're losing to dudes that you're maybe not as good at. but I know our Penn Charter sideline always felt like we were a tougher team, physically tougher. If, you know, put put Tom Monzo in in, in the uh, in the back against any of their attackmen, and, and let's see who comes walking away. I, I put my money on Tommy Mons, right? But um, you know that loss, the the high school ones, they, they stick with you, man. They stick with you. I'm Penn Charter through and through. It hurts. Now, if the Penn Charter head coaching job were to open up, I don't know tomorrow, <laughs> and. Everything stays the same, you know, same amount of money here, same yeah. amount of money there. You have your house in Fairfield still. You can bring cash yeah. with you. Would you take the Penn Charter head coaching job, but you also have to coach freshman girls field hockey too? Oh, man. Um, that's a hard no. Field hockey position is definitely a little enticing. You know, they're uh, field hockey moms have, have definitely a reputation to be pretty spicy on the sideline. So, you know, there's definitely something to think about. With that being said, I'm uh, I'm knee deep in the college game, and and I'm not looking to make a change anytime soon. I think my old head coach at Penn Charter, Pat McDonough, does a great job running the ship over there. And um, quite frankly, I would never want to be the guy that kind of follows him up. You know, like he he did a great job. He without him, I wouldn't be a college coach. I wouldn't have ever gotten interested in lacrosse. And um, you know, I am a firm believer in that nobody could do that job better than him. So um, no. To be honest with All you, right. I, I love college coaching. People were asking. so I, I <laughs> We had a lot of questions. The that rumor was mill was flying questions. from what I heard. The rumor mill, it's just, it's going. It's hot. It's very it's hot. hot. <laughs> um, so one thing I'm thinking of, one thing I'm thinking about is we pivot to the, the 2023 CAA season, the CAA yeah. schedule. Who are we looking at as the top dogs? Who are we looking at? as guys rebuilding how yeah. do we feel about the conference this year how do we feel about our chances to make the ncaa tournament this year coming out of the caa it's a great question i think the league is it has gotten more interesting um you know with that being said we have some new faces in the league with stony brook and monmouth and hampton in particular um and all our competitive teams um you know i think will give us a great test in fairfield county here um with that being said i i'm i, I feel as though delaware and towson have really separated themselves um uh, both teams bring a lot back delaware pretty much runs it back with their whole team 
um, and and they had a hell of a season last year, knocking off Georgetown and um, making a run in the in the NCAA playoffs. Um, Towson was right there in the mix too. Um, they don't lose too much; they'll be able to score. They got dudes in the middle of the field. They're big and strong and athletic overall. Um, and then I kind of think, you know, in, in honesty with you, I think it's kind of everybody else fighting for spots three and four. Um, I think, you know, us, Stony Brook, Drexel, Mammoth, Hofstra um, are all heavily in consideration. And, and as always, the CAA is going to be an absolute dogfight. You know, it's there's never an easy game in our league. It, it will be a blue collar knockdown drag out fight to the end. I mean, even last year, right, like going into the final week of the season, one team had clinched a playoff spot. Um, so it'll be competitive as shit. Um, and we're excited. I think back to the non-league schedule, like you play a tough non-league schedule to prepare you to go and play the best teams in your league. And we feel like coach, I feel like coach Bax did a great job putting the schedule together to give us that opportunity to compete later in our season this year, which we're really excited about. What is the deal with Hampton now? Like, are they are they now a full Division One team? Like, do they have a full schedule now? I like they have a conference alignment. Like, are they now up and coming? I they have Chaz Woodson as the coach now. So they do. They're, they're yeah. in the right direction, right? Yeah. So they're they're definitely, from what I understand, definitely moving in the right direction. I don't know. Um, I know that they their schedule will still include some Division Two and three teams. Um, but in transparency with you guys, like, I don't really know too much about what they look like as a team. Um, you know, I do think they'll be tough. They'll be competitive. Um, they'll be athletic and and they'll give us a battle. Um, it's the, la- that's the last game of the season for us. They come up here. Um, I think it's a Friday night game under the lights here in Rafferty. So, um, you know, it, it'll be competitive. I, I think every member of our league will be a tough go. So my next question would be obviously Charles, you've been, playing and coaching for a while now um is there anything that you don't like where the direction of lacrosse is going um you know i i gotta be honest i absolutely hate like the constant rule change i think it makes it really hard for viewers and with that being said like i think all of the different products that are offered like in terms of professional lacrosse make it really confusing like the the rules between you know, the Olympics or like international lacrosse to the PLL, to the NLL, to college are completely different. Um, and I think to grow the game, we're going to have to figure out as as a as a sport, like how are we going to get everybody rowing in the same direction and, and doing the same thing? You know what I mean? Well, it's crazy. Love that, if, point. If, love that point. Well, if you were going to say like, oh, yeah, in, in the NBA, um, there's actually like – a 12 second shot clock, but in high school, college basketball, it's a 45 second shot clock. And if you're winning, like the, the, I've just never seen such a disarray of rules go so far from a high school game to a professional game where last year I was watching a legit high school game and I forgot two minutes, keep it inside the box. Yeah. And then, could it be, could it also be, I feel like one thing that plays a part of it to some degree is the infrastructure. So like we obviously had a timetable in which we had to integrate the shot clock in for college. Yeah. So people had to get the infrastructure in together to put a shot clock up. Granted, you can go to Dick's and get a shot clock monitor for, I don't know, a hundred bucks. And you yeah, it's, it's a taxpayer's money. It's taxpayer's money. Money's not <laughs> so, real. It doesn't matter. So that, so that's fair. But like, 
I don't know. I, to I be honest with you, T, like, like the fact I, that the professional be, leagues are all over the place, and then like yeah. trying to fit things into the Olympic stuff, it's great for the growth, but like it, it it's terrible because you see you see three four different products, like yeah, and, it, and you just don't know what lacrosse is. Like, what is it? You know, like for me, the infrastructure argument is a little BS. Quite frankly, like I get it at the high school level because mm -hmm. there's definitely extra added cost to it. Uh, with that being said, like to me, it's as simple as you guys said. And again, maybe I'm naive to it, but like buy the rolling shot clock. Like it's not that big of a deal to me. I get how that's an extra expense for the school. And then, you know, the other argument to be made is that, well, now you need to pay somebody to operate the shot clock. Well, it's stimulating know, the economy. It's stimulating the economy. Jobs. Well, let's, let's be honest. We all had a stat girl in high school, so like it's it's not you know, or stat boy or stat boy. All right. I mean, do that come job, on. Let's, let's be I honest. It was mainly right. a stat girl. Somebody was dating somebody on the team. There was or always a connection. Or yeah. someone who stinks and may have gotten cut, but they wanted to be on the team, so we kept them around. Right. Well, but the whole right. and to that point, like you like you guys just said, anybody that was ever a manager has some sort of tie in to the game right like yeah. somebody they there's some sense of like you you know kind of what's going on out there on the field my other argument to it is like well you have you, you have you hire an officiating crew right for every game why not have an extra official at the table to do this kind of stuff right do we, do we already have in some cases we already have a box official now well at the at the college level yeah but right. usually not in the high school level that's fair okay yeah I mean, and that's ultimately where this all needs to change is at the high school level. Like there is nothing worse. Again, like recruiting season comes in, in full force. Right. But there is nothing worse than sitting at a bad low level high school game where there's like two kids out on the field and it's like stall ball or it's, uh, you know, it's killing time in the invert or like not touching it in the box, like whatever the time kill tactic is, you know what I'm saying? It's like, just fucking play. Like, let's you, just scoop it up. Well, we were all think, there once. We we all were doing the yeah. best we could to get to our county championship, all right? Like, what, but remember it, that part of but, our lives, remember? But, but you have to admit, it's it's terrible product. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't, absolutely. It doesn't you watching that part of the game does not convince a kid to stop playing baseball and to start playing lacrosse. True, true. But the other eight and uh, two-thirds innings does. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charles, let me... Charles, let me ask you this. Do you think we ever get to the world in where however many more years this goes on that they ever take away the face-off as a whole and it turns into just, you know, goal, get it out as fast as you can and clear it right away? Um, Personally, I don't think so. And I, be, the, my main argument there is just that, like, it's such an ingrained part of the game now. Like – We've gone so far with it. There has been so much history behind the position, no matter what the rules ever were. You know what I'm saying? Back yeah. in the day, like of old school lacrosse, your best midfielder faced off, played defense, was your man down short stick, cleared the ball, and had 40 points. Like, yeah, it's it's just too it's too much a part of the identity of the sport to just do away with it. I also think I, I'm one of the the rare people that thinks the face off is a positive. Um, event within the game you know what i'm saying well, I, mean, I, brings, maybe. I, I think there's a lot of people who like who are not who are new to the sport that like the concept of the face-off and like how I it's like how, 
I, well, it's like you you relate it to like a wrestling match or like yeah. you relate it to something where like you're like a boxing match or something yeah. like that. One of my one of my family friends who's a you know avid baseball fan um, grew up in New York, like tough, like up and coming. Um, he like he really loved the aspect of the face off and how it was like a brawl Gritty. between two guys to get the ball. Grind, like, just, yeah. Well, yeah, I, it's a great how about concept. how about this? You you keep it, but it's at it's to start each quarter. I don't hate that. I, think I that's just the think the only way that also gets away from the the emphasis of the position. Like, well, then, well then here, well then let me play devil's advocate. That's probably what four roster spots you could save for different for other players. Yeah, at least that's a good point. And Here's what I'll say to your point: tags like the in in box. It's that it's it's pretty much just that. Like faceoff guys are more of a defensive player than yeah. they are a specialist, which. You know, I don't I don't disagree with I think where college across is going currently is that way again. I think with the new rules of standing up encourages more athletic guys, encourages getting the ball out quick, encourages a, a skill set that's getting your nose over the ball, picking up a tough ground ball and running down the field and scoring or getting in the hole and playing defense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, is there uh because I don't think you can make it Unless you shorten the shot clock, but I don't think anybody's like rooting for that right now. I think it's eighty seconds is plenty of time for college kids. Yeah. Um, but again, I think to make the game faster, and I don't want them to go after what the PLL does. Like, I don't think they should shorten the field even more, less room behind X, and make it just a game up top. Yeah. Because you really start to limit what you can do, and you know, yeah. again, those guys are the best in the world at it. But I do think as a whole, kind of wrapping up that portion of the conversation, more rules in sync. Yeah. It's going to just ultimately get a better product, better uh-huh. development, and lead to better viewing opportunities yeah. um, in that sense. Um, Charles, let, let me like, let me run this one by you. Um, you're recruiting, right? It's a hot day. And you're coming down to two guys who you want to take. Mm-hmm. You got the crafty ex-attackman from Long Island who's – a stud or you have a Philadelphia tough, big defenseman. And you know, who, who, who do you, who do you bring to Fairfield County though? Listen, don't ask stupid questions. We, we go Philly, Philly all day long there. Right? Not even a question. You wouldn't even, Not even, even entertain. Listen, oh, hold on, hold on. listen they put them in the same position group. Well, that, <laughs> that, that makes a huge difference. Too. I mean, now the other piece is like, Scoring goals is great and all, but I'm the defensive coordinator, right? So, like, I need dudes on the back end. Okay, here we go. I, well, got, I mean, if we're, I'll, up I'll, seven, I'll the question, if we're question. If we're giving up 17 goals a game, we're going to have to stop somebody. You're telling me. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock, right? I'll adjust, so, the, I'll adjust the question slightly. We'll have, we have the 6'5". The um, we'll, actually, we'll give him 6'3", tough, Philly, you know, big dude defenseman versus the, the Maryland – Six two, lanky, long blonde hair from Good Counsel, but has <laughs> a hell of a hell of a stick. Can go up and down the field and do everything you want on the field. Which one are you taking? Ah, uh, see, that's hard. I um, I really value. You know, I I think this has taken me a long time to learn, like what my strengths are coaching, like what our unit needs, like things like that. Um, I really value the LSM position. Yeah. Um, I think. There is a, there's a skill set there that has is a lost art, like taking the ball away in the middle of the field. Guys that, you know, can ride, like as an LSM, like 
you got to be able to to nut up and defend against the midline, right? Like, let's go to the work zone. Let's go to the chopping block. Like, let's not even let, let the offense get the ball to their attack. Screw that shit. Um, and I think to your guys' point with the pace of play, I think there's so many LSMs nowadays that are good stick, pretty good athlete, score goals, pick up ground balls. I find I want to find the dude that patrols the middle of the field. That is like free, you can like, find, a free, like a free safety looking yeah. to crack somebody over the middle and just exactly causing havoc in the middle of the field. Like I think the guys that I think of in the past of that position are like Robert Mooney from Yale. Dude was a fucking primate back in the day, like total gorilla walked on his knuckles. Right. <laughs> dudes like uh, dudes like, you know, uh, Scott Ratliff just re- retired from the PLL. Like he reinvented the position back in the day. You hear that? Coobs Coobs. The dream's still alive. <laughs> That's another good point about like the the takeaway defenseman. I feel like we don't have that that much. No, that 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 stuff kind of went out the window with the stick stringing technology, and then there was like the whole like keep it in era in which nobody played aggressive defense, which blows in my opinion. Like yeah, like I want to like I want to see somebody pull a Rick Beardsley can opener, a Rusty Gate, like well, you, you try to take the ball away. We could there there's uh you know. There's good takeaway checks and then there's bad takeaway checks. Like I ain't teaching my guys the Batman and the Robin, right? Like you know, <laughs> the, slicer. the slicer, right? That I, that I'm running the risk of getting a two minute non releasable foul and my best LSM kicked out of the game. Like, well, I think you got. I think the only real takeaway check that's still there is the the six three or above guy who can throw the over the head check in the yeah. middle field and like not get beat over over yeah. it. Um, Chuck, I'm looking at these books in my living room because I read a lot. Um, oh, well, so so studious of humble, humble brag. Humble brag. Um, and I got a Phil Jackson book here. Um, Which one? The, uh, the Just the 11 Rings. Oh, great book. Is there a coach? Who do you think the best coach from another sport? And I'm going to take Belichick out of it because that's the general answer. That you think would be – a an exceptional lacrosse coach as well. Um, So here's what I'll say, and I'll I'll give a kind of gray answer in that. I think one thing that I've learned in my now four years of, of of being a full-time assistant is everybody, there's different ways to skin a cat, right? Like everybody has their own flair to coaching, right? There is coach Ray, in my opinion, is, is a great X's and O's guy, you know, disciplined ship, uh, in terms of running the program. And then there are other programs that are different and a little bit more of a loose style, and but their players perform at a high level and, and they win. Um, I think the ideal coach um, I would put together would be like Phil Jackson's team building and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like camaraderie. Like he, from what I read and what I've seen, he did an amazing job of getting guys to buy into like, controlling the mental game, uh, you know, meditating before that stuff was really popular um, and just being kind of that band of brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Um, Okay. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, I kind of lump them in together in that, like, to me, on a schematic level, they're they're at another level, but even more so, like, they run a program that's bloodthirsty, right? Like, you heard Kirby Smart and his – pregame speech. I don't know if you guys heard this. I, I've been listening yeah. to it on yeah, fucking loop. It. It's great. Right. Or he says, I think word for word, he says like, fuck them. We don't care about them. Go dominate. Go kill them. Right. And the whole 
he's celebrating up like what 45 to 7 or something like that and what i love is that's a standard of aggression a standard of excellence this is how you play this is where it goes and that's kind of their style of coaching you know what i'm saying yeah being able to like they're obviously back-to-back national champs you know the you know they're i think they're the new standard in college football say whatever you want that's my opinion i agree but to continuously tell five-star guys like you're still not good enough and they have that chip on their shoulder i think that is something that doesn't translate into lacrosse almost because it's like you know it's i mean we had besides what uva technically they were technically they were back to back yeah with, with the, the covid year right. yeah um I think you're right but you just don't see that like you will never see a national championship game in college lacrosse that is that one-sided no never i mean never. you have had some like pretty big disparities but like not like that i want to say mean, there was one recently that was like a the one that, that comes to maryland mind, game maryland the, something? the one that comes to mind is maryland loyola and i think that was like an 8-3 game something like that yeah but if we translate that into college football i mean that was 65 to 7. yeah i like, mean that's close. Yeah. yeah i mean that would be that would be 21 21 to 1. yeah that doesn't happen in lacrosse i mean your uh, your fourth string goalie's getting time at that point like, he's telling people i played the national championship yeah like, sure. <laughs> I, I would not say that if i was if i, was I would shit. Stop. why not wear like a badge of honor you got in oh my god yeah like i i just i i think it's just something that it, it's such a i mean that's like one of the bigger differences with football and and uh and lacrosse but i mean with the nfl playoffs going on here chuck you know who uh who do you like in the uh the divisional round i know uh i know you used to be a huge cowboys fan growing ah, up a nice one tonight don't so. you dare sandbag me like that i'm philly through and through tampa Who's tom that? is absolutely gonna pecker slap the cowboys let's just call it what it is okay it's building yeah. we know it's coming he's c- coming out full steam total intensity and saying "Fuck you jerry jones right all right i mean i, I like it i mean i'm rooting for tampa bay too and we're done <laughs> And <laughs> no, but uh, yo, Chuck, give it, give us your who's playing on on uh, in championship weekend for the conference. Yeah, let's see the final four. Let's see the Ooh, final four here. Final right, before you go, before you go, our tags and I's final four. We did not prepare this. We ended up with the same teams. We had Maryland, Cornell, Notre Dame, Yale. Those are our final four. Wow. Okay, so you have three Ivy League teams in there. Two. Cornell, Yale, Notre Dame, Maryland. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Notre Dame. Okay. Well, it's, and Charles, just so you know, it is called the Maryland Invitational it this is. year. Yeah, and they're oh. always going to play in the last game on Saturday, right? Like that's Right, the- so if you commit to Maryland, you better tell your parents, hey, Memorial Day weekend, we're, we're going to be either at Foxborough, the yeah. Link, or M&T Bank. So don't make plans. Yeah. Okay, my final four, I'm definitely picking Maryland. Um, I think a dark horse team to pick here that I have, a, I think, is going to have a really good year in the same league is Ohio State. Um, ah, see, I wanted to pick them too. I, Those, I think their transfers are going to be good. They're they gonna, have they're some gonna good, have a bounce back here in the Big Ten. You know, they do have some really good transfers, but I think like I, I watched them a bunch last year. We had a couple of common opponents and stuff like that, and like they're a team that pretty much runs it back. Like you know, they bring Marcus Hudgens in from Army. On top of having Bobby Buren, Van Buren, I think is his, how you pronounce yeah. his last name. That's as good of a one-two punch as a close defensive unit as you're going to see, in my opinion. Like those are two dudes that can cover anybody's best attack, in my opinion. And then I think an underrated player is Jack Myers. That dude can handle the rock behind the cage. Great quarterback, like six-three. Yeah, DC attackman, DC area attackman, two-handed guy. But like 
he comes out there when I watch those dudes on film, like he comes out there, like he's got the biggest dick in the room kind of deal. All right. Who else you got round out the round out the final two. So I'm going to say Maryland, Ohio state. I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely think at least one Ivy's there. I, I have a hard time saying more. Um, I think my gut says Cornell. My heart says Penn. I think the, I think the Quakers ha- have something brewing on, in University City. Uh, Sam Hanley is the is going to be the best player in college across, no yeah. doubt about it. Cap, Cap, yeah, I'm gonna say Cap too. Best, best best player in college across is either wearing number one down in Charlottesville or number forty one down the street from you in Brandau. Brandau's really good. There, I think he has a legitimate argument. I I like Schellenberger. I, I don't think he is the caliber of player of Sam Hanley or Matt Brandow, personally. And I know that that is a, a super hot take. It is an opinion that not many agree with. I just feel like that dude has a luxury of having like an all-world offense around him. And yes, yeah. is he the guy making it happen? Sure. But like, it's easy to have those points when you're throwing a through ball to Peyton Cormier or... Uh, Bertrand back in the day or whoever it was. So Yeah, I think and who who's your fourth, Chuck? I don't know, my audio cut out earlier. Now nah, you're good. So I got Ohio State, I got Maryland, I'm gonna say Cornell for right now, and I'm gonna say my fourth team. Ready for this? Wahoo's pretty obvious pick. You you, you did the Wahoo Wah. Yeah, UVA is legit. Those dudes have have guys. It was another breakout player for them, Griffin Schultz. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I love a good. I love a good jump. Charles Junta dark horse in uh in Ohio and it, State. It's the, it's the number one team in the country. That's the dark horse. I'm no, 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 He's the dark horse in Ohio State. Ohio State was my dark horse, and and again, like I don't know how big of a dark horse they are. It's just the fact that they play in the same conference as Maryland. It's also true. I mean, but we also we were saying on episode one, we saw the Ivy League get their whole league in, but Dartmouth, you know, they had an obligation, so they couldn't make the tournament last year. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> You know, I think that's also kind of nice about college lacrosse is you can actually lose a couple games yeah, and you still have a shot to get in where with the college football playoff, it's like you lose – like Ohio State, if that was in lacrosse, like, all right, they lose one game to Michigan. They're probably yeah, still getting they're in the still in. Yeah. Versus vice versa. But, um, Charles, we appreciate you coming on. I know uh, you've been itching to get behind the mic here for a while, so it was good to uh, – to, to get you out here and, and you know maybe we'll do a mid-year check-in too would love it um, i all i know is what well, here's what i'll say right the, the 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 d block here in stag country is avid followers of bald to bald i i've put, we need I've, that. I've put the bug in so you know they would appreciate a little bit extra love you do, know do you have any do you have any bald guys on the team we don't but there's definitely some coming in I'm not gonna it's lie i'm, I'm not gonna name drop names I'm, I'm not gonna do that to them because i love them too much but there, there's some guys that are losing it a little too quick for their own liking. Hey, well, it, it comes at you fast, man. It just I comes get, at you really fast. It's like know, I, had, you, I had I, hands I, down to my shoulders. I was there the I whole time it came on to you guys. I, I saw how fast it came, TJ. It, it, this, it, it, the stats, like the stats transition game. It comes fast. It, yes. right, it hits you in the mouth. Yep. But I think, Charles, last, last thing from me, um, you know, I, I know we've had some friendly wagers throughout the years, and, you know, you still owe me for wearing a suit on an airplane uh, after the yeah. Michigan-Ohio State game. So I'm just going to say this. You can do it what you want. If you win the CAA 
I will rock the old man haircut where I grow the sides long and just shave the top. Oh, that would be unreal. So I'll rock like the, the Benny Franklin for a little okay. bit. But if you do not make the CAA tournament, you, you got to go with the number one all the way around. Deal. I'll take that deal. I have faith in my guys. I'll take that deal any day. All right. And I will Love be that. proud to, to take it down if not. All right. I, I just want that for the people. And maybe you maybe wear a suit one game day, you know, go a little business professional. Set the Absolutely tone. not. You know me. I'm too gritty for that. I wear Timberlands and all black eyeline, <laughs> baby. Why does that make you gritty? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm going to work, T. I'm going to work. We are going Timberlands to work. Timberlands equals gritty. Is that what we're saying? Correct. Charles Charles is saying how gritty he is, and Nan's been packing his lunch for 28 years. Dead-ass dead grit right there. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, everyone, thanks for listening. Charles, thanks again for coming on. Uh, like subscribe rate review tell your friends tell your friends friends tell their friends and uh we'll see you for episode three uh we'll probably another special guest on but until then stay bald cheers cheers thanks guys